December the 1st, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I don't know the rest of the words, but ding, dong, ding, whatever. I love Christmas. In fact, the reason I say we can officially play music is because what happened a couple of weeks ago, we were in the car as a family, and I was driving and going through the radio stations, you know, on the, on the dab list or the DAB, whatever you want to call it. And there was heart Christmas music. Can you believe it? Wall to wall, 24-7 Christmas. Happy days. So I thought, we'll have some of this. As soon as I pressed play, my little boy Daniel in the back goes, Daddy, stop. You're not allowed. I said, what do you mean with Christmas? Daddy, you will ruin Christmas. I said, what do you mean I'm going to ruin Christmas? He says, Daddy, by the time Christmas comes, we'll all be bored of it. And I thought, well, you know what? That is a fair point. Out of the mouth of babes, hey? Wisdom flows. So now I can finally get in the car and play Christmas music because I do love Christmas music. But we love Christmas, don't we, for most of us, you know? It's a special, wonderful time of the year we spend with friends and, and family. And uh, I, I sniggered because I had a, a mother-in-law joke here earlier. And uh, thankfully, she wasn't in the service at the time for you. Um, but, you know, we love the mince pies and the mulled wine, the Christmas jumpers and maybe the Christmas shirts. It's the most wonderful time. But um, I think for me, it's probably one of the most specials. But I've got to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? Safe place, just these four walls. I think the older I get, it's almost as if I find I go into kind of autopilot, into this kind of well-rehearsed, well-worn, well-walked thing called Christmas. I know you're not like that. But it's almost like my mind goes into Christmas mode, you know, propelled by a wave of familiarity. Who knows this phrase? Oh, I feel so Christmassy. Do you like that phrase? I like that phrase. It's almost as if everything comes together and all of a sudden you feel, oh, I feel Christmassy. You know, whatever it might be. It might be the first carol that you sing or the first mince pie way back in October. Or, you know, putting the Christmas tree up or whatever it might be. You know, one of those moments for me is when I read the Christmas story. And I love reading the nativity story. And Steph and I read it. And, um, but I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It makes me feel Christmassy, and I get a sense of being warm and fuzzy. But what I realize in that moment, that that is more to do with the fact that the story over the years is accumulated with so many different Christmases before, and it just makes me feel Christmassy. Propelled by a wave of familiarity. And I think for me, I feel challenged this Christmas the familiarity is lovely. We love being in that Christmassy feeling. There's joy in it. I love it. I love all of that stuff. But the question is, do we stay in that place? The question is, isn't there more to Christmas? Or is that it? Just the Christmas story. And then you wake up in January 1 and say, wow, what just happened? That was Christmas. And it kind of merges into every other Christmas before I don't know about you, but I want to read the Christmas story. And instead of feeling warm and fuzzy, I want to be struck in awe at what I am reading. And get on my knees because I can't but help give glory to God for what I'm reading. That's the kind of response I want in my heart when I read the Christmas story. Who's up for it? Do you want to be in that place as well? Where it's almost as if God's Christmas reality breaks into our Christmas familiarity. 
Because I think that's the invitation for each one of us here. And this personal challenge is a challenge I give out to all of us corporately. To say, why not this Christmas? Why not it be different? Let it not merge into all the Christmases before. But let's allow him to break into our familiarity. Because I tell you something. This is what I'm feeling encouraged about. Because I reckon my January will be a whole lot different than my December. And my 2020, a whole lot different than my 19, if I allowed him to break in in the way in which he is wanting to. And so that is my prayer for each one of us. That instead of waking up with a Christmas hangover that the world wants for us in January, we wake up with new light and life and love in our hearts. And so let me pray and then we'll, we'll move on. Lord, as we kick off this new season of Christmas, I pray for myself and indeed for each one of us that it would not be a season of autopilot, that we would not walk a well-worn, well-rehearsed road, but Lord, you would strike us to our core this Christmas. Lord, would we not stay in that familiar place and fuzzy feelings, lovely though that is, and Lord, I thank you that we get to enjoy it in that way. But I pray, Lord, it would be more. That we would know what it's about, who it's about. And that our response would be a people that takes every occasion to bring you glory and to praise and to honor you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you just prepare our hearts for your word. Open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to what you have for us, I ask. And I pray this in the special, precious, wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Well, you know, as I said, we're in the, the start of our Christmas series. And as I was thinking about how do we represent the Christmas series this year, I, was, uh, I couldn't help but think about superhero movies. Who likes a good superhero movie? Yeah, oh, yeah there's a few hands going up. I love a good Marvel movie. A bit of Star Wars now and again. I, I grew up on Star Trek. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, and I couldn't really shake this thought... I started to realize that long before Marvel movies of superheroes coming from distant planets and saving the human race, there was a story of Jesus who broke into our world and saved us from utter damnation. Long before the writers of sci-fi penned a story about distant visitors from an outer space coming and discovering us, there was Jesus that not only visited us, that visited that which was his own. Long before Star Wars and all these, the Star Wars universe and all the stories and characters that came from that, there was God's universe and us and the cosmic battle for every one of our souls. Wow. I mean, when you put it like that, Mark, Christmas is pretty impactful. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But unlike Hollywood blockbusters, this is not a tale of fiction. Although there is a trailer. Let's watch that. Wow, how cool is that, hey? Yeah, we love a good trailer. Here we are. Arrival, our Christmas sci-fi-esque Series, and you're in for a treat over these next few weeks. And like every good superhero sci fi movie trilogy or set of movies, they have different parts. And here we are on part 
one. Part two, don't miss it, next week is first contact. Oh yes, oh yes. But why is it in the beginning, part one? Because every, every one of these things asks the question, what's the backstory? You know, there's got to be a start to this the, that sets, if you like, the overarching narrative of the whole series, that sets the scene. And so that is my job this morning, to set the scene for us before we embark on arrival. And you know, as I've been looking at these movies, I've done a lot of research, a lot of movie watching, <laughs> it seems to be that there are three questions that every part one seeks to answer. Are you ready? These are the three questions. Number one, where did this superhero come from? Where was he from? We all want to know that. Number two, what motivates him to save or her? What, how are they wired? Why are they wired in that way? And number three, what unique power do they have which enables them to save? And so therefore... They are the three questions that we will be answering this morning as we look at this most amazing of adventures, series, and stories. And we start with question number one, where did Jesus come from? Who is he? It's a very good question. You see, the Christmas story did not start on the road to Bethlehem. It didn't even start when the angel visited Mary. It started in the beginning. Well, which beginning? The very, very, very beginning. Do you mean Genesis 1, Mark? No. I mean before that in the beginning. Is there a before that? Yes. We have it in the Bible. Do you, who, anyone knows where it is in the beginning before Genesis 1? It's not a trick question. It is there. Thank you. John 1. Absolutely. If you want to get to the beginning, 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 go to John 1. And we're going to read that together because it answers those three questions as we have part one of Arrival. And let's read together. Turn with me to John chapter 1. I'm going to read 1 and 2 together. As you turn, I want to just say this. I was thinking about this scripture. And I remember as a kind of teenager reading this and becoming utterly flummoxed. I just couldn't understand it. It was the most strangest thing to read. I couldn't understand it. And yet there was something in it that I could could feel the weight of it. I could feel how important it was, and yet I couldn't understand it. And so I want us all to understand it, because it sets the scene for Christmas. And let's read it. You would have turned to it by now. It's on the screen as well. John 1. Let's read together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Wow. What does that mean? Good question. You see, let's look at this together. The the English word for beginning doesn't really do this justice. It's not really what John was trying to convey, you see. You see, it's not like once upon a time in the beginning, you know? It's not that. See, the Greek word for beginning has actually something way more profound than that. It really says kind of this. In the beginning of all things, at the very first Before there was even time. Here's another definition. The origin by which anything begins to be. It's that kind of beginning. Wow, that is really a beginning. And it's very difficult for us to comprehend that, isn't it? You see, let me just be clear. Jesus didn't appear suddenly from nowhere at the start of the Christmas story. Jesus is the beginning 
of the Christmas story. It's not like Jesus was not there before and all of a sudden appeared as a baby. Ah, uh-uh. in the beginning, and he goes on, was the word. Who was he? The word. What on earth does that mean? You see, the Greek word used here for word is logos. You know, two words you might have heard before. One's rhema, which is a spoken word. But you see, John was very specific here on using logos. You see, logos for the Greeks conveyed a kind of cosmic power that brought everything into being through word and held it in place. But you see, what John was doing was saying, listen, this cosmic power is not impersonal. This cosmic power is personal. It is a person. That's what John is saying here. There's not some cosmic force like in Star Wars. By the way, quick joke. How did Darth Vader know what Luke had got him for Christmas? He felt his presence. (laughs) Bad joke. I apologize. But keeping with the theme. (sighs) Not again. But that's the point. It's not some impersonal field. It is a person. Jesus, in the beginning, was the Word. You know, Revelation 19.13, I love this. It says, Jesus is dressed in a robe, dripped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. You see, when God said, the Father, when the Father said, let there be light, the Word coming forth was Jesus. The spoken Word. And was he alone? Let's continue on this part one. It says this. So this, in the beginning, was the word. And was the word alone? No, it says verse two. And he was with God and he was God. What? You see, not only was this cosmic power a person, but he was with God and he was also God. And therein lies the amazing mystery of the triune God, the Trinity. God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All there in the beginning, they were. And so that is where we find that Jesus came from. He didn't just suddenly appear out of nowhere. Jesus was. And verse 14, what happened then? I'm going to jump to verse 14. It says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the Father. Wow. Think about this. This God, this Logos, this cosmic power that was always, that created all things, chose to take the form of flesh and dwell amongst us? Wow. Hollywood's got nothing on this story. And yet, for some reason, we've become desensitized to how amazing this is. I have. Do we understand what we're seeing here? Jesus broke into our time and place and took the form of man, fully God, yet fully man. And so the Christmas story doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus. Jesus births the Christmas story. This baby, meek and mild, is God, the great I am. And so when I, want to, when I read this Christmas story, do I truly understand what's happening? That the great God of the universe that created all things came in a lowly state, in a manger. Wow. Wow. What's my response? Worship. Not a warm and fuzzy feeling. 
but awe. And that leads me to the second question. If that's who Jesus is and where he came from, what motivates him? Why come as a baby and save us? And by the way, save us from what? We don't need to save him, do we? Because we are and we were in trouble. We're in trouble. It's like any good movie. We're being attacked. There is an enemy. There's an enemy that's out to destroy us. Our very eternal lives are on the stake here. We needed saving. And the enemy here is the wages of sin. Death. Eternal separation from God. Matthew 1.21 says this. Mary will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That is what Christmas is about. It's about our need for him, that we are in darkness. It's not just dark outside because it gets dark at four or five o'clock. Jesus comes at Christmas time because of the darkness in humanity. And you know what happened? We were drifting, were we not? If you look at the Old Testament, from one sacrifice to the next, never being able to fully atone for our sins, never being able to fully walk in relationship with God. And how did this come to be? Imagine as a movie, we go back to the scene, Garden of Eden. In the beginning, you can see the writing comes up. That's what that noise was. Genesis 1. This is another beginning. God created out of love Adam and Eve to have a relationship. And they're walking. You can see the scene now. I'm playing. They're walking in the cool of the afternoon. And God says, you know what? Enjoy. But let me tell you, don't eat of the tree over there. And what happened? They disobeyed God. And what happened? Sin came rushing into the world. And there was separation from God. And what happened was that there would be a cascading of events that would mean that we would need saving because we couldn't save ourselves. And we were out of the presence of God that Eden closed to us. And so only Jesus could save us. Only new birth could mean that we could have a relationship with God again. Wow. Talk about a cosmic battle for our souls. But why did, he care? Why did Jesus care? Well, okay, we know who he is. He's the great God. And we know what trouble we're in. But why did Jesus care to come to see us, to save us? Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And verse 11 says this, he came to that which was his own. Because it's personal. You see, Jesus didn't just come down to a world he did not know, to a people he had no idea about, to a situation he was unclear on. He wasn't a superhero that stumbled upon earth like Superman from outer space and discovered, oh, wow, I've got some unique powers here. Oh, those poor humans. I think I'll be benevolent and save them. It wasn't that. It was a God that loved us. He could have hit reset. He could have said, let's start over. But he looked at each one of us. You see, Christmas is a love story because he loves us. He loves you. He loves you and you and you And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because of his love for each one of us. He emptied himself and took the form of flesh because of love. Because of love. How do we respond 
to that. But how can he save us? Okay, so we've established who Jesus is. He was in the beginning. He is God. And then he, he took the flesh. He, be, he came as a baby. What motivates him? Love. Because we're in trouble. But lastly, what does he bring that will save us? How on earth can Jesus save us? It's a very good question. And what I'm going to do is look at a few verses. Verse 4 and 5, and then I'm going to jump to 9 and 12. Let's look at that together. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9, the true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 12, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wow. Again, we have to look and look at the beginning. Genesis 1. God said, let there be light. And after the creation of six days and he rested on the seventh, he looked at his creation and said, it is good. Perfect. It is good. But as we, as we saw earlier, sin came into God's world through disobedience and darkness came sweeping over the land. Sin turned what was good bad. And the sin came and caused spiritual darkness. We died spiritually. And what was the result? Mankind could no longer see a living, holy God. The darkness had overcome us. There was no hope. And so you see, Jesus is the very light of God and the life that we need that breaks into that darkness. Because his light, you see, here's the thing. Jesus reveals the love and the grace and the truth of God and makes a way for us back into relationship. You know, let me just say this. I love Christmas lights. Do you? There's some great ones in, in St. Albans and around the area. And I love Christmas lights. But here's the thing that it represents. The light of Jesus breaking into our bleak midwinter. And so I've said to myself, Mark, every time you see those Christmas lights, turn it to praise to Jesus. Because it's about his light that he brings. Because we are in darkness. We do need the light of God. And you see, he brought his light which broke into our darkness. He brought his life which gave us new life. He restored us to the Father. How on earth did he do that? This is how he did it. He died on the cross for you and I. You see, this holy God didn't change his mind and say, you know what, actually, I'm not, I'm not worried about this sin issue anymore. I'll let them off. No, a holy, perfect God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever is not going to change. But he said, you know what, I love them so much. I'm going to send my son and take their place. And I'll put my punishment, the wrath that I have against sin, onto him. That warm and fuzzy feeling that we get and we read should be replaced with a feeling of awe and wonder that a holy living God would choose to come into our place and to take the punishment that was due us. But not just that. 
The righteousness of, life, of Christ, it says here, the life that was in him was then given to us in this divine exchange. He took our sins and his righteousness was given unto us. And so when the Father looks at us, he looks at us as holy. And then we can rush into his presence and relationship is restored. You see, the Christmas message is a message of redemption and restoration. It's a message of resurrection and rescue. That's how amazing Christmas is. I'd like to invite the band up. It isn't a story of snow-wrapped steeples and red-chested robins, lovely though they are, and we should enjoy all that stuff. But let's not stay in that place this Christmas and miss out on the reality of what is going on here. Let us allow the reality of God's Christmas to break into the familiarity of ours. Let's say, you know what? This Christmas, I'm no longer going to be propelled along this well-worn, well-trodden path called Christmas and wake up in January with a blur. Let us be a people that say, Lord, would you break into my darkness this Christmas in a way in which you've never done before? Lord, would you come in and show us your glory? It says the glory of the Son was revealed. Let us be more interested in the glory of Jesus than the glory of the mistletoe and wine. Let us be more interested in seeking the light of Christ than the Christmas lights that are lovely, but yet not the main thing. Let us be a people that have Jesus at the center of our Christmas because it's from that place that he does wonderful things in us and through us. Why don't we just stand together as I pray? Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that in the beginning, you always had a plan for us. That in the beginning, you decided that you would create us. And knowing we would fall, fall and fail, you sent your son Jesus to come into this world, taking the form of a baby, and knowing that his destination was clear, the cross of Calvary. In these few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this word. If you feel that you're saying, yes, you know what, I want to be, I want God's reality to break into this Christmas familiarity, then I want to give you a moment to respond. How do you respond? It's simple. Lord, break into my Christmas. Just pray that now in your hearts. We just wait on the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Shine your light. Shine your light. Shine your light. Come, Lord Jesus. And I get the sense that for some of you, you're nervous about Christmas, if the truth be told. For you, it's filled with bad memories and pain. And I feel the Lord is saying, I can break into that too. My light and my life can break into that pain 
and that distress and that nerves. So if that's you, why don't you just give it to Jesus? Say, yes, come and break it. Overcome that darkness by your light. Why don't you just do that in your heart now with the Lord? Come, Lord Jesus. your way with us, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes. Would this be a new Christmas? One like never before. A Christmas of encounter. A Christmas of your reality. A Christmas where we behold your glory and worship you as we do together, let us worship.